Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome Facebook Live. We appreciate you being with us this morning. We pray that we could be a good blessing to you this morning. We've already prayed. We're ready for the word this morning. Uh, If you would, turn with me to 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll be reading out of the King James. Be looking at verse 1. But after I read verse 1, don't close your Bibles because we're going to look a little bit more at this 1 Kings. 1 Kings 17, 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab the king of Israel, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. You know, the Bible tells us that King Ahab was one of the most wicked kings in the history of Israel, and his wife was Jezebel, the daughter of the heathen king, Ethbaal, king of the the Zidonians, and she was even more wicked than old Ahab was. And as an example, she was a God-hater. Anybody know what a God-hater is? Hates everything about God, everything he does, his mention of his name. And she attempted to have all his prophets slain with the sword. But God had a servant by the name of Obadiah, and he hid a hundred of them, 50 in in two caves, 50 in each cave. And he provided for them throughout this entire ordeal here. And remember this, no matter how bad things look or how bad things can get, God always has a remnant to raise up at the right time. And I know things aren't looking real good in this country right now, and there's a lot of things going on, a lot of God-haters out there in the street. But take heart, because God's remnant is about to rise up and stand up and stand out. King Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel were evil leaders, and they led the nation of Israel into idol worship with a couple of demon gods by the name of Baal and Asherah. And when God finally had enough, he sends Elijah the prophet to pronounce judgment on the wicked king and the nation of Israel. Elijah told the king that there would be no dew or no rain until he said so. Elijah said so. And normally the prophets would either start or end their prophecy with, Thus saith the Lord, or they would say, The word of the Lord. But I want you to notice something here. Elijah said that there would be no dew or no rain until he gave the word, until he said so. And, you know, we've always preached in this church how powerful our words are, especially when you speak the word of God. And this is an example of what we're talking about. We need to realize the authority in God's word. uh, and, And your words are a lot more powerful than you think they are. They're a lot more powerful than you give them credit for 
Jesus said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever is loosed on earth, whatever you loose on earth or you declare to be lawful, will be loosed in heaven. God will back your words up when you speak according to his word. When you speak in line with the word of God, God will back you up. Hallelujah. But needless to say, three and a half years without dew or rain would definitely cause a great famine. And so God sent Elijah to a hidden place by the brook called Cherith. And he said, there you can drink from the brook, and twice a day I'll have the ravens bring you lunch and dinner. Twice a day. I don't know what he did for breakfast, but he got two meals a day provided by God. Hallelujah. And when the brook eventually dried up, as it would in the time of a famine and no rain for three and a half years, God sends him to a widow in Zarephath. You know, God has no end to his sources or his resources. I mean, what is a poor little old widow woman going to do? Well, when she's got God on her side, she can do amazing things. Amen. So he sends this mighty prophet Elijah to be cared for by a little widow woman in Zarephath. uh, And he provided her with a meal barrel that would never stop giving forth meal and an oil cruise that would never stop giving forth oil. And that was provision for her, for Elijah, and her entire family. Probably had friends over for dinner every night. Probably had picnics when everybody else was short of food and short of supplies. She was in plenty. I'm telling you, God will take care of his. Amen? Amen. So, uh, uh, but let's fast forward three and a half years. Elijah returns to Ahab. Because he feels that the people of Israel are finally ready to repent for their wickedness and for their idol worship. And that's where we're going to pick up now in 1 Kings chapter 18, the next chapter over. And it says in verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, are you he who troubles Israel? In other words, are you the one that caused this nation's problems? It's going to be hard not to middle today, but I promise I behave. But anyway, Elijah replied, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house by forsaking the commandments of the Lord and by following Baal. Therefore, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah who eat at Queen Jezebel's table. In other words, these uh, 850 prophets, false prophets, lying prophets, eat at her table, which means she is financing them. She's providing for them. They don't have to do anything. Just tell her lies and tell her what she wants to hear, and she'll feed them and give them everything that they need for free. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So, (coughs) Amen. Excuse me. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you halt and limp between two opinions? In other words, make up your mind. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. 
But if you're lukewarm, you're sitting on the fence, you're somewhere in the middle, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So when Elijah confronts Ahab, the king accused him of being the troubler of Israel. He blames him for the condition that the nation is in when it was his fault. Elijah didn't cause the problem, but God sent him to fix it. Help me, Jesus. But Elijah can't be fooled by King Ahab's hypocrisy. And he tells Ahab that he's the one who got the nation in such a mess by his poor leadership and turning his back on God and leading the people astray. And then Elijah chastises King Ahab and Israel for their evil deeds and for their participation in the false worship of Baal and Asherah. He says, how long are you going to halt, limp, or sit on the fence? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. In other words, get off the fence. Go one way or the other. You can't do both. And I think that's a good question for the church to answer this morning. You know, it makes me sick the number of prominent Christian leaders who led their congregations to believe that it's okay to follow God on one issue and yet follow a man on another issue that is contrary to God's uh, rule. And another thing that really bothers me is the people that think they're safe because they don't make any decision at all. Even Even though they know what the right thing to do is, they refuse to stand up for God, the God that they say they serve, And I'm telling you right now, there'll be no rain for you. There'll be no rain for you. I'm being good. God is going to require people to get off the fence. Follow one or the other, but you can't follow both. He's either Lord of all or he's Lord not at all. God said, if you're not for us, you're against us. There's no middle ground with God. There's no gray areas. It's black or white. It's a truth or it's a lie. It's a sin or it's not a sin. But he said to him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him, that is sin. We know what's right, but we're doing the opposite. You're in sin if you are. And God is not happy when a believer, or for that matter, A nation shows religious instability with all the signs and wonders that he's given us, with the word that he's given us, the Bible that he's given us to follow. And and the nation shows religious instability and wavering in their faithfulness to the one and only true God. This will cause famine. It will cause famine in your life, your family, your neighborhood, your nation. It will cause famine in the world. And not only a famine from food, but a famine from a move of God, a famine from the Spirit of God, a famine from the Word of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God has Elijah to challenge the prophets of Baal to a showdown. And in the presence of the king and in the presence of those lying politicians, I mean, false prophets, and all of Israel to prove once and for all who the real God is. There's coming a day when we're going to know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I already know it. You already know it. But there's a world that needs to know who the one true God is, and God's going to show himself. 
Won't be long, hallelujah. hallelujah. But he has the nation of Israel and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah all gathered on top of Mount Carmel. And, and as far as I can tell, everyone was there except King Ahab's wife, Jezebel. But that's a story for another day. But Elijah tells the prophets of Baal to build an altar, lay wood on the altar, slaughter an ox, cut it into pieces, and lay them on the wood. He says, I'll give you first shot. You get the first chance. And then he invites the priests of Baal and Asherah to pray for their God to send fire to light the sacrifice. Because whoever, whoever God sends the fire, we're going to declare him to be the, the true God. Amen. He says, call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the one who answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people who didn't say a word before answered and said, now it is well spoken. In other words, we accept the terms and we agree with everything you said. The God that answers by fire, he will be our God. And so the prophets of Baal pray from morning till noon, but no answer. Elijah starts mocking them. He says, cry louder. Surely he is a God. Maybe he's meditating. Or maybe he's wandered away. Maybe he's on a journey. One translation actually says, maybe he's on the toilet. Or perhaps he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. Now, I paraphrase that, but that's what the word says. Amen? And so they respond by dancing around some more, cutting themselves, adding their own blood to the sacrifice. And they continue praying until until evening, but no one answered. Do you know why no one answered? Because there wasn't anybody there to answer. Then Elijah does something unusual. He has his servants to pour four barrels of water on his sacrifice. Or wait a minute, let me back up. Now it's Elijah's turn, so he builds an altar. He takes 12 large stones, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He takes wood and he lays it. He slaughters his ox, cuts it up in pieces, lays it on the altar. And then he tells the servants to take four barrels of water and pour it on top of his sacrifice. Four barrels. And he does this three times. That's 12 barrels of water. Over 500 gallons of water Elijah pours on his sacrifice. And not only was everything soaked, but the trench he dug around the altar was full of water. It looked like a moat. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but water is not very flammable. But when God answered with fire, Elijah wanted everyone to know that it had to be God because no man was going to sneak up and light that fire with some kind of trickery or something. And, and, and so uh, Elijah prays a simple prayer. And Sometimes it doesn't take that much. It just takes a simple prayer. And boom, fire falls from heaven. I guess in the form of lightning. Maybe it was actual fire. I don't know. But it consumed that sacrifice. It consumed, didn't just burn them, didn't just move them around. It consumed those 12 large stones, all the wood, and uh, the trench around it, licked up all the dirt and everything else. And all that was left was a crater where a dry, burnout, smoldering crater where his altar used to be. Yes. Now, that's God. That's a God that answers by fire. Amen? Yes. And so when all the people saw it, they fall on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. Amen. And they said it twice. The Lord, he is the God. 
Not just he is God. He is God. He is the God. Uh, and when you say the God, that means there's no other gods. So uh, Elijah achieved his goals. He turned Israel back to the one and only true God. But now he's got another problem. There hasn't been any rain for three and a half years. And so Elijah, he, he takes all of, the, of Jezebel's prophets down to this brook, and he slays them with the sword, just like she killed God's prophets. But let's pick up the story back in 1 Kings 18, this time at verse 41, right after he slays the prophets. Then he says to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming and a cloud in the sky. No breeze, no wind, no nothing. But I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. And so Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Now, I don't know if you realize how significant that is, but that was just like King Hezekiah when he was praying to God. When God said, I'm going to require your life of you, he turned his face to the wall. And when Elijah put his knees, his head between his knees, that means he, like Hezekiah, shut out the world around him. It's just me and you, God. I don't care what's going on around here. I need to hear from you now. And so Elijah begins to pray. And then he says to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked. Then he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, uh, and the number seven in the Bible, without getting into numerology and everything, the number seven, uh, it it always means perfection and completeness. So this is going to be the the seventh time that he sends a servant, and, and this is where his prayer is going to be completed and perfection. His servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Still no Wind, still nothing, just uh, clear skies, no breeze, nothing. But I want you to notice this servant saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand, not appearing in the sky, but arising from the sea. And then in verse 45, it says, and soon the sky was black with clouds. I don't know how soon, but soon a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, and Elijah tucked his cloak into his belt so he wouldn't trip on it, and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. I'm not sure exactly how far that is. Some people say about 50 miles. I mean, just running 50 miles is a miracle. But outrunning a chariot, a king's chariot, pulled by I don't know how many horses, that's an even bigger miracle. Amen. Amen? But three and a half years of drought, three and a half years of famine, three and a half years without the presence of God or even a word from God, these people were dry. And you talk about walking through dry times, they were walking through them. And now Elijah hears in his spirit, the sound, a sound of the abundance of rain. Not just rain, but an abundance of rain. Yes. 
Now, I'm no Elijah. You probably figured that out. But I know what he was feeling because the same spirit that stirred him has been stirring me and Pastor Ed. I'm telling you, uh, I know something's moving. We can't see it. We can't smell it. We can't feel it. But I can hear a sound. And, and I know in my spirit that rain is coming. I'm not talking about rain out there for your lawn to grow again. I'm talking about spiritual rain because I don't know if you feel it, but I felt some dry times here lately. I felt dry times in our church. I felt dry times in my life. I felt dry times walking uh, through Walmart. I've been feeling some dryness in my life. And I know COVID has a lot to do with it. First the lockdown, then minimum capacity, and then now they're even talking about another lockdown. Well, it takes a toll on you after a while. I mean, our church just doesn't move like it used to move because of this COVID thing and the separation that we had to endure. We still have people that are watching by Internet. Thank God for that. But, you know, there's still people, not just in our church, but all over this country that haven't returned to church yet physically return to church. I thank God for our people being faithful because even though they're not attending, they're still sending their tithes and offerings to us. And I appreciate that, uh, Facebook churchgoers. But here's the thing. There is uh, churches, and especially in this region here, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, parts of Ohio, uh, parts of Indiana, where people, especially the older congregations, where they're more at risk than us young people are, and they can't be exposed, and they have to be protected, they still not return to church. Only, one, only problem is they haven't been sending their tithes in. And these churches are literally closing the doors because they can't sustain themselves anymore. I'm talking about small churches. Small churches are having a hard time sustaining themselves. Thank God we're not. I thank God every day for, for you people's hearts and the way that you give. We, we haven't been hurting through this thing. But there's churches that are hurting and they're actually dying and falling off the vine because uh, people are not participating anymore like they used to. So it does have an adverse effect. And I know that's exactly what the devil wants. He rejoices every time a door to a church is padlocked. That's his goal. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing his best, especially since he knows that he has a short time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I know one thing for sure. We need some rain. People need rain. This church needs rain. Churches all over the world need rain. Countries need rain. Communities, families need rain. People are sick and tired of this COVID-19. And they're weary. They're depressed. Some are sick with it. Some have lost loved ones. Some are overwhelmed with work and online school. Some have lost their jobs. And I feel like it's been dry way too long. And it's time for some rain. We need some rain. Yes. I know it's tough. It's got to be tough for these, these working parents. Uh, first of all, that's another scheme of the devil. Get both parents working. Let the kids raise themselves. I'll teach them what they need to know. And so we have parents that are stressed and strained, stretched to the max because they have to work and they got a child at home fumbling on a computer trying to learn some obscure lesson from somebody in another place and can't ask no questions, can't get no answers, can't get no help. 
and then the parents come home and they try to catch the kid up and help him, but they can't because they don't know what's going on either. It's, it's taking its toll on this country. We're keeping our grandkid right now, Tyler, and he's on online school uh, because they're cleaning the school because there was a couple of positive tests. And, and so he's online for seven hours a day, six, uh, six, about five or six hours a day. And I'm stressed, and he, he don't need any help. But i got to be quiet for six hours <laughs> while he's in. I don't even work, but it stresses me. So I can imagine how some poor working couple has to feel. My God, we need a break. We need some rain. You know, there's 120 men and women gathered in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How many knows I'm talking about spiritual rain? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is not a wind. He's likened to a wind at times. He's not a fire. He's likened to a fire. He's not water. He's likened to water. He's not a well. He's not rain, but he's likened to these things. But there was a sound like a wind. And the sound was an indication that something is moving. You can't see the wind. You can't uh, uh, see where it's been or where it's going, uh, Nicodemus said. But you can see the results of it. You can see where it's been. You can see what it's moving. You can see the direction it's going by what it's moving on the way. But you don't know where it came from. This wind came from heaven. And it was like a rushing mighty wind. And I know that it got the attention of everybody in Jerusalem that day. So it had to make a loud bang of some type because they heard it. And Elijah said, I hear a sound of the abundance of rain. I don't see nothing. I don't feel nothing, but I hear it. And can you imagine how it made everyone feel? Elijah spoke those words in a time and a place where there hadn't been dew or rain for three and a half years. And because Israel was, their, their economy was based on farming and fishing, uh, it literally destroyed their economy. And not only that, but the drought, and they were also into livestock. So the drought just diminished everything, demolished everything. So they're, they're, not, they're not producing any crops. They're not catching any fish. They're starving. I mean, I guess that's what a famine is. People are starving. Because when rain comes, it means life. It means recovery. It means refreshment. It means restoration to things that are dead or dying. It means that the rivers will flow again and fish will be caught again and crops will grow again and cattle will eat again. And there'll be joy where there has been sorrow, laughter where there has been weeping. And how many knows the church can use some of this rain? I see you at your best on Sunday morning, but you're not fooling us. We pray for you guys and God shows us things. You ain't all that smiley when you leave here. We ain't all on top of that on top of the world when you leave here. You're not full of joy and laughing when you leave here. We know that. We go through the same things you do. Thank God he's sustaining us all, though, because we keep making it back here every Sunday. Amen. And I really feel in my heart that 
we're getting ready to experience some rain like we haven't experienced before. And, and I really believe that rain is on its way. And just like Elijah, I'm beginning to hear a sound of the abundance of rain. Yes. And I'm hearing it by faith. I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't feel it. I just hear a sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, 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 you know, that may not mean much to some of you, but for some people, it means everything. Yes. It means the dry spell you've been going through is over. It means new life. It means recovery. It means restoration. Uh, help is on the way. Your answer is on the way. It means your breakthrough is on the way. Yes. And, and, you know, we need to cheer up a little bit. Be of good cheer, hallelujah, because your miracle is on the way. And I know you've been waiting a long time. And I know there are people listening to me this morning that are sick and tired and tired and sick. And it seems like you've been going through hell wearing gasoline pajamas. That's how it's been, been for you in the last six months or so since this COVID baloney. And you prayed and cried out to God. And by all natural evidence... Nothing seems to be happening. Nothing has changed. And you're at a place now where you're about ready to just throw the towel in. But I'm telling you, hang on a little bit longer. I'm telling you, rain is coming. Some of you prayed and things actually got worse. But sometimes that's how it is. It's the devil trying to discourage you, trying, trying to get you to give up your dream, to give up your hopes, to stop praying. And he's a liar and the father of it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I know I don't have any tangible proof, but I know change is in the atmosphere. I know rain is coming. I know restoration is coming. Healing is coming. I know peace and joy is going to return to people. And like I said, you may not see any clouds like that servant. You may not see an outward sign, no physical evidence. But if you listen real close with your spirit and get in faith, you will hear a sound. Of the abundance of rain. Yes. This wasn't exclusive for Elijah. And I know this, pas this uh, passage of scripture that we read here this morning has been preached a thousand ways to Sunday by a thousand and hundreds of thousands of preachers down over the years. But I'm telling you, this is a fit word spoken in due season. It's due. We're due for this. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. It's been dry long enough. By faith, Elijah knew the rain was on the way, but there was still work to be done. He went to the top of Mount Carmel overlooking the Mediterranean Sea, and he began to pray. And E.M. Bounds, an author, minister, a great man of faith and prayer, he says, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. God don't move except in answer to prayer. God don't do anything until he receives prayer to authorize him to do it. Amen. So if things seem to be stagnant around you and nothing seems to be moving, maybe we need to pray more. Mm -hmm. For every healing, for every miracle, for every breakthrough, for every prodigal son or daughter that ever returned home, for every son or daughter that's been delivered from drugs or perversion of some type, somebody prayed that in. There's a grandmother, a quiet little grandmother praying somewhere, a grandfather praying, a mother, a father praying, a brother or sister praying, an aunt or an uncle. Somebody had to pray that breakthrough in or it wouldn't have came. 
So Elijah proclaims by faith that rain is on the way. But he knew it would have to be brought through, uh, brought about through prayer. So the Bible says Elijah sat down on that mountain, put his head between his knees and began to pray. And like I said, he just shut the world out. It's me and you, God. I ain't getting up from here. I ain't stopping. I ain't moving until I see this come to pass. So he was determined to bring forth what God put in his spirit, a sound, just a sound of the abundance of rain. And after he prayed a while, he sends a servant out to look toward the sea for the answer. We read it, but I want to emphasize a few things. The sea here represents the word of God. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. This is the way I just interpreted it. I'm not going to try to prove it or anything. But that cloud came up out of the sea. It didn't come from the sky like normal clouds do. It come up out of the sea. And so I say that the sea represented the word of God. In other words, God is saying, look to the word. And when nothing happens, go look again. And if nothing still happens, go look again. In other words, look to the word. Make sure you're praying according to the word of God. That's God's will. His word is his will. His will is his word. 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we desire of him. Why? Because we prayed according to his word. This ain't my word, God. This ain't my idea. This is your word. I'm just returning it to you. And then God says, well, my word will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish that which it was set out to do. And that's all Elijah was doing was he was being a reflection of God's word. So his servant returns with an answer, finally. And he keeps saying, I'm looking, but I don't see any evidence. I don't see any evidence that would indicate your prayer is even being considered. And there will be times when you pray and don't see anything happen. But Elijah's not moved. He just keeps on praying. And he sends his servant back to the sea again and again and again. And while the servant is running back and forth, Elijah just keeps on praying. I don't even think he lifted his head up. He says, servant, come back. So I don't see anything. Go again. And he keeps praying and keeps praying, persevering. Uh, He knows if God said it. God will surely bring it to pass Uh, because God is not a man that he should lie. And so he knows God didn't lie to him. God said he would do it. He knows he's going to do it. But it takes that persevering power, the same power that they received on the day of Pentecost up in that upper room, the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, I know some of you are leaving right now. You're switching channels, turning off Facebook, turning off your mind or your head or whatever. But I'm telling you, uh, praying in tongues is so valuable to the church because the devil can't understand what you're praying about. This is a heavenly language between you and your creator, a language that he gave to you. And when you're praying, the devil's wondering, what are you praying about? Let me know what direction you're going in. Why? Because he wants to get a leg up on you. He wants to head you off at the pass. Say, shut up, devil. I'm talking to my father, and we're planning strategies, and it don't look good for you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But the devil would love to know what you're praying about. He would love to know what direction you're going in. He'd love to get out in front of you. But keep on praying. Keep on praising. Keep on confessing. Keep on tithing and so on. And keep on rejoicing. Never let the devil see you sweat. Because when he sees you sweat, he's going to turn up the heat because he thinks he's winning. But when you're praising God and rejoicing him in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your fire, then he don't know what's going on. It drives him crazy because it looks like you're winning. And we do win every time. We can't lose. I read the back of the book. We win. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But as Elijah keeps sending his servant back to the sea, and every time he comes back with a negative report, and Elijah says, go back to the sea and look again. In other words, go back to the word, spend more time looking to the word, build your faith up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So keep going to the word until your faith is built up to the point where you can see what I'm seeing. So after the seventh time, the servant comes back with this report. Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea. In other words, there was a little word that came up out of the big word. And, you know, we have the Logos, which is the whole Bible, which is the spoken word of God. But then there's a word that comes from the word, and it's called a rhema. It's a revelation word. It's a specific word for a specific purpose for a specific time. Now, I know God wants us all to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But I need a rhema word to tell me where to do it at. I can't find in the Bible, go start a church in Louisville, Kentucky. That has to come from a rhema out of the word. And that's what we got. Go to Kentucky. So we we came to Kentucky. But after the seventh time, he comes back finally with a positive thing. He has a word from the word. He has a revelation word for a specific purpose, which Elijah had. So God told Elijah that it would rain again at his word, at Elijah's word. So it's time to speak the word. You're in a lot of your situations because you're, you just refuse for some reason to speak the word. Uh, I know that sounds good in a sermon and I read it in the book and even Jesus said you should have what you say. But I, yeah, I just feel funny talking to inanimate objects. Why? Jesus did. He talked to trees and rocks and everything else. What's bad about speaking to your circumstances because you can't see them or can't feel them? Just speak the word over your problem. You need healing, speak the word. By his stripes, I'm healed. You need, you need to pay a bill at the end of the month, don't have the money, say he prospers me everywhere I go. Every place I put the sole of my foot, God is prospering me. Speak the word over your problems. Hallelujah. But you know, with God's word, you can make it through any storm. When you have a word from God, you can praise him in the fiery furnace. You can sleep amongst the lions. Amen. Uh, you can, and, and you can beat the famine with a little corn and a little oil. Amen. Why? Because you got a word from God. A word for you. So to the servant, the word seems so small and insignificant. The cloud, it was just, just a little cloud. It ain't going to do nothing. Uh, he said it was the size of a man's hand. So it didn't look too much, but it was enough for Elijah. 
Elijah's faith latched onto that little black cloud. But there's something about faith that lets you see greatness in little things. It might be little to everybody else's eyes, but your faith will make it look big to you. Your faith will make something impossible look like it's all of a sudden possible. So Elijah's faith latches onto that. It don't take much. Uh, See, Elijah's servant saw a little cloud, but Elijah saw a mighty storm. He saw a river filling, ground soaking, drought busting storm. I had this old boy at work used to call it, we we got a frog strangler coming our way. And he meant that it was going to be really raining hard, the frogs were going to drown. (laughs) But I don't care how big your problem is or how long you've had it. One little word from God will lift any burden, solve any problem, break you free of anything that you could get yourself tangled up in. And Jesus said, you don't need big faith. He said, all it takes is a little faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. And that's pretty small. But with that little bit of faith, you can move mountains, he said. Jesus says, speak the word and you shall have what you say. So I'm declaring right now that this dry spell is over in the name of Jesus. For our church, for your life, for your family, for this country, I'm declaring that rain is on the way. God says you shall declare or decree a thing and it shall be so. You need to declare some things over your life. Hallelujah. The dry spell in our finances is over. You know, some of you haven't felt the presence of God in a long time. But I'm declaring that dry spell is over. Uh, But you got more power in declaring it over your life than I do. I can declare it over my life. I can declare it over this church. But you're the one with authority for your life. Speak it over your own life. Rain is coming, and you are going to feel the presence of God again like you've never felt it before. And I know that's, that's some, one of the driest places for a lot of people today. They don't feel the presence of God. And the only reason they don't feel is because their faith is down. Amen. And, and, you know, some of you have been fighting a long battle with your health, but there's healing in this rain. There's healing in this rain. Someone's been going through a long, dry place with your family. It just seems like it gets worse and worse. No matter what you try to do, how nice you try to be, they just keep running from you and they just keep ignoring you and they keep hurting your feelings and being ignorant about it. I'm telling you, that dry spell is fixing to be over. Hallelujah. Time for rain on some of these families. It's time for the church, though. Just like Elijah You know, we heard the sound, but now it's up to us to pray it through, to pray it in. And and it's time for the church to pray and begin to ask God for the rain. In Zechariah 10 uh, 10 and 1, God says, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So what if you're getting a little rain in your life? You want the latter rain in the time of the little rain. You You want the big rain to overtake the little rain. He says, ask you the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. We need to ask for rain. And it's time for the latter rain. The anointing is here. The rain is falling. Yokes are being broken. Yokes are being destroyed. You say, well, I don't see anything now. It's in here right now. Get it out. You got to pray it out. It's in there, though. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joy and peace is being restored. Elijah 
got the report of the little cloud, and he gets off his knees, and he tells King Ahab, it's here. And Ahab probably looking around, I don't see nothing. He said, it's here, not it's coming. Not, he's, I'm not going to give you a weather forecast for later on tonight. It's here. And he says, the rain is here. If you don't get that chariot rolling, you ain't going to make it off this mountain. And while Elijah's prophesying, suddenly there was a sound like a mighty wind. See, Elijah had to speak that word. He had to show forth his faith that I'm not waiting for it. It's here. It's here now. And, and it sounded like a mighty rushing wind. And it began to blow and the clouds turned black and the rain came just like God promised. Now listen to this carefully. I want you, if you don't get nothing else, get this. Elijah heard it with his spirit. He spoke it with his mouth. He saw it with his eyes. That's how it works. You hear the word, you speak the word, you see the results. You hear the word, you speak the word, you see the results. Let me close with this story. This is uh, about something my son Chris said. And I don't think he'd mind me sharing this because he posted it on Facebook a couple years ago. And uh, I know he won't mind me sharing it if it actually helps somebody. And I know it will. Uh, It's been maybe two, three years ago. He's going through a really hard time with his health, his finances, his overall position in, in life. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it, but. He has an arthritic spine, and he deals with pain every day, every day. Uh, for him to do menial tasks is, is hard for him to do, just menial tasks. And uh, as a result of the pain, he has a hard time sleeping. He can't get a decent night's sleep. And because of that, it causes him to have seizures because his brain just shuts down on him, I guess, to force his body to rest. But he couldn't seem to get ahead in his finances, and... All in all, it, it caused him to get really depressed and almost to the point of just throwing in the towel and giving up altogether. And it was out of those circumstances that came this profound quote that I'm about to share with you. He said this. He said, it's hard to get up in the morning and face life without having anything good to look forward to. Let me say it again. It's hard to get up in the morning and face life without anything good to look forward to. Man, that resounded with me. I immediately identified with that statement, and it stuck with me even to this day. And I realized how powerful and exciting it is to have something good to look forward to. You know how it is. You watch the kids on Christmas evening. They go to bed. They're all giddish and happy and tickled and I can't hardly sleep and anything. Why? They got something good to look forward to in the morning. Having something good to look forward to will get you out of bed. It will get you excited. It will motivate you. He didn't have that. All he had to look forward to is another day of pain, another day of work, another day of struggling and not making ends meet like he wants to. And I realized that having something good to look forward to is actually a vision because God said, without a vision, my people perish. My people are destroyed because they don't have a vision. And I also realize how devastating and destructive it is not to have a vision or something good to look forward to. But along with vision, there has to be a measure of faith because there are going to be times 
times like the one that Chris was going through where you would feel hopeless and helpless and you can't see your vision come in the past. You lose sight of your vision. And there would be times when it doesn't look like the vision will ever come to pass. And the devil starts hammering you at this point, telling you, just throw it in. Just give it up. You ain't never going to amount to nothing. You're not going to make it. Your, your dreams and visions are not going to be fulfilled. And that's where Chris was at that day. And I always known he had vision because he, would, uh, he was a dreamer. He would tell us about winning the lottery. He said, Dad, when I win the lottery, I'm going to buy a big piece of land. I'm going to build you and Mama a house and me a house and Mike a house. And we're going to all live on this land. And we're like the Ponderosa or something, you know. And, and then he says, I'm going to buy you all new cars, you know. And so-and-so at work is driving the old beat-up junk. And she's a widow. He said, I'm going to buy her a car. And I'm going to give this guy uh, $10,000. And he just dream- he's got vision. There's no doubt about it. But I'm telling you, you can come to a place where uh, you just don't feel like it's ever going to come together. And, you know, whether he ever wins the lottery or not, I don't know. But it gave him something good to look forward to. I mean, he's always known what he wanted in life, but he came to this dark place where it didn't look like he would ever get there. And let me tell you something, it could happen to every one of us. But thank God he has a praying family, a praying wife that quotes the word, even though he gets mad at her. And so he hung in there, and because he did, God proved himself to Chris and Laura. Not the next day, not the next week, not the next month, not even a year after that. But he proved himself to Chris and Laura through a chain of events that they know only God could have orchestrated that seemed to be impossible at one time. God suddenly made it possible. And they have a powerful testimony concerning that but it's their testimony and it's not my place to share it but maybe when the time is right they will share it with all of us but anyway I shared that story with you this morning because I know there are people in here right now that can relate to what Chris was going through and I want to encourage you this morning and tell you hang in there because God has a suddenly for you as well you know, is everything hunky-dory with Chris? No, he still deals with pain on a daily basis. He has an occasional uh, seizure. But I'm telling you, he's far better off than he was. And I believe God is healing him through a process. He's healing him. And Chris is learning along the way. A lot of times we ask, why can't we just be instantly healed? Why do I have to be sick to begin with? And God doesn't cause sickness. No, don't give me anything. He doesn't cause sickness so you'll learn something. But be that as it may, people do learn things in sickness. And they learn that they get to a place in their life where the only place they can look is up. Amen. Amen. And that's what God wants. And God moves sometimes a little at a time, sometimes suddenly. Sometimes we get healed instantly. Sometimes we're healed as we go. Sometimes we get hands laid on us and we simply recover over a period of time. But the end result is healing. Amen. But I'm here this morning to tell you that no matter what it looks like right now, you have something to look forward to in life. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to give up. Times of refreshing are coming. You can't see them right now. You can't feel them. Uh, There's no wind blowing, nothing. 
But God says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Right there is something good to look forward to. But God is saying, he's giving you a future. Don't quit now. You won't get to your future. And it's going to be a prosperous future. It's going to be good things in your future. But not if you quit. And it's a powerful and exciting thing to know that you have a future. You have something good to look forward to. It puts a fire back in your belly and a fight in your spirit once again. And it gives you the strength to hold on. You know, uh, there was a saying at work all the time, you know, how you doing? I'm hanging in there. Well, that could be good or bad. It depends on the grip you have. Get a good grip and hang in there. You know, God will never let go of your hand. You may let go of his, but he will never let go of your hand. So when you think you're going to slip, reach up. Grab that hand that God's extending to you. You know, Peter walked on the water. He, be, he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the storm. He began to sink. He cries, Jesus, save me. That's what I'm talking about, short prayers. He said, Jesus, save me. Yes. And what did Jesus do? He reached down. Yes. Jesus is waiting for you to say, save me. Jesus, yes. save me. Amen. He'll reach down. He'll pull you out. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that rain will begin to fall on everyone within the sound of my voice, even those that listen to this message on YouTube and Facebook after it's been recorded. Healing rain that will drive out sickness and disease and refreshing rain that will drive out despair and depression and restoring rain that will restore failing and stressed relationships, dying marriages, that you will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Restore families. Bind them together with cords of love that cannot be broken. Send financial rains that will lift the burden off of everyone that's hearing my voice this morning. Lift your people out of debt. Meet their every need. Rain that will give your people hope and a dream again. Rain that will give your people hope and joy again. Because joy is the strength of the Lord. Lord, we pray for this upcoming election that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know what we want, Lord, but uh, it might not even be in line with what you want, but we pray according to your will. We say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray for your pre peace to prevail, prevail in this land, especially amongst your children, the people of God, the ones that claim you as their Savior. And we know that you have good plans for us. And no matter what's happening in the world around us, we can never fail. We can never be defeated and we can never lose. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you, Facebook, for being with us this morning. We'll see you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.